see you here. Come on, stand on your feet with us. We're excited to worship you. We want to welcome everyone with us today and everybody joining us online at Facebook Live and Church Online. Come on, let's put our hands together. See 
trust in him lord i know that you are here now still my heart your voice be all i hear now i fix my eyes on the things that
Well, you know, this past Friday night, we hosted our monthly night of prayer and worship. And each time we gather, we collect prayer requests during that time together. And this week we had quite a large response. It was great. So once a month, we like to come together as a church family and lift up these requests. And so we're gonna stand on the scripture in James 5, 16 that says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, or of course, a man or woman, avails much. And so if you have a need, if there's a need in your life, I'm gonna ask you, just raise your hand right now. It's just a kind of a physical representation, something that you're believing God for. I'm gonna ask those of you guys that are watching online or Facebook Live as well, just right now, just a little physical representation. God, I'm trusting you to meet this need in my life as we pray over all of these requests. So Father, we do what your word says, God. We approach your throne of grace with confidence today. Lord, your word says that anytime we have a need that we can boldly approach your throne of grace to find mercy and help in our time of need. So Father, we lift up every single request that's represented in here. Father, we thank you for physical healing, God, where it's needed, miracles of physical healing. Father, we thank you for broken relationships being restored, God, marriages being healed, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, those that are bound by addiction, Lord. We pray that they would be set free by the power of the gospel in the name of Jesus. Lord, that the power of sin would be broken. And Lord, that people would walk in freedom and liberty. I thank you for couples in here that have expressed the desire to have children. And Lord, have battled infertility. God, I speak healing and blessing over them in the name of Jesus. Father, every single need that's represented. Lord, we thank you that your promises are faithful. God, you're a God who answers prayer. And you desire, Lord, your your word says that we're to ask. Lord, to keep on asking. Seek and seek on. keep on seeking. Knock, Lord, and the door will be open on us. And Lord, so we ask, seek, and knock today. Thanking you, God, that you're for us and that you're answering our prayer. In the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Let's give him praise, Lord. Now. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're faithful and that you're for us. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you so much for praying. Good morning and welcome to church. Why don't you say hi to somebody before you sit down this morning? All right, all right. Great to be in church this morning. Well, my name is Doug Arman. I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the King. It's always a privilege to be able to worship God. I know you love being in the house of God, and so do I. I'd like to just pause and just welcome any guests that we have in the house today. Why don't we give it up for all the guests that are with us today? We are so grateful that you're here. And we know that we have guests every single week because people at Church of the King love to invite their friends and neighbors. I shouted across the driveway at my neighbor yesterday, man, come to church with me on Easter. So I'm gonna stay after him for a couple more weeks. But if you're a guest with us, we are just delighted that you're with us. There is a card that's located in the seat back just in front of you. If you would grab one of those cards, fill it out and place it in the offering bucket when it goes by in a few minutes, we'd simply like to send you a letter thanking you for being with us. Uh, additionally, we are gonna be hosting step one of our growth track. You'll see a little bit more about it in the announcements on the screen in just a minute. But if you're a guest with us, or if you've been at Church of the King for a short time, have never been, or if you've been at Church of the King for a long time and have never had an opportunity to dive in 
and go to step one. It's a great place for you to get connected. You know, anytime you come to a church that's a little bit larger, the church becomes small when you get to know some people on a personal level. And so that's a, a great first step to doing that. So we'd love to have you join us just after the service, one o'clock in the annex across the parking lot, and we will feed you lunch. And with that, let's go to the screen and check out the announcements. new to Church of the King, or simply want to learn more about who we are and how you can get involved, we hope you'll join us this Sunday for step one of the growth track. The growth track takes place every month over four weeks. Four simple steps that help you grow in your relationship with God. At step one, you'll learn about what we believe about God in the Bible, how our church is designed, and how you can become a member. Step one is this Sunday at one o'clock. Lunch and childcare will be provided and you can learn more online or in your bulletin. He has my front and he has my back. The reason I can flourish in a field, even though my faith is sometimes sketchy, is because God's the one who paid the price. All right, well, Easter Sunday is just two weeks away, exciting times. And so our, all of our teams have been working really hard to provide a great experience for you and for those that you invite to be with you. Um, we've sent out postcards. We're doing lots of social media uh, attention to it as well. But we also are asking you to do your part. So what we've done is we've provided some invitation cards that are located in the bulletin that you received on the way in. If you would grab those, tear them apart, and use those to invite people that you know need to come and experience the power of the resurrection on Easter weekend. It's gonna be a great time. All the details are on there for you to be able to communicate to them. So I'm gonna ask the ushers to get in place and we are going to worship the Lord with our giving as we pray together. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for your love for us, for your abundant provision in our life, God. We never take it for granted. So Lord, it is always a privilege for us to be able to bring back to you, God, what the Bible calls our tithe. Lord, the first 10% of all of our increase 
And God, over and above that, Lord, our gifts for missions, Lord, to the poor and to all the projects that we have going on at our campus, campuses through the Beyond Campaign. Father, we are grateful. So Lord, I pray that you'd bless your people as they give today, Lord. Lord, whether we're giving in this weekend's offering, God, whether we're giving through text giving or online giving, Lord, we know that all of it is worship to you, God. And we do it as an act of faith, trusting you as our source. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys as you give.
help my family. Can I get out of this pain? Can I get another chance? Is there something more? What are you asking of me, God? How do I move forward? Where do I find the answer? Help my family. What's my purpose? What is God's plan for me? All right. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the fifth week of our series entitled One to One Encounters with Jesus. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us all over the place, all of our campuses, those online as well, and Facebook Live. Well, we are in a six-week series. I'll be finishing up next week on Palm Sunday. I do want to encourage uh, you guys, two of the easiest times of the year to invite people to church. Number one is Christmas Eve, and number two is Easter. Uh, that whole weekend. So I want to encourage you to think about who you can invite to the Easter weekend with us at Church Again. We are in a series talking about how Jesus interacted in one-to-one encounters in the Gospels. Again, we looked at so many different figures, whether it's a woman with the issue of blood week one and we looked at last week, we looked at the, the, the man at the pool of Bethesda and, and how Jesus asked him a very important question. Did he want to be made well? Today, I want to talk to you about another man. I want to talk to you about a man in the Bible, probably one of the most, let me say this, one of the most important figures in the Bible, that God did great things to his life. And yet, and yet this man, this man had a big fall. The reason why this is so important is because I think when we see the great men and women in the Bible, we think, man, they're perfect. I'll never forget when somebody said this to me years ago, and I quote it all the time. He said, Pastor, I wish that I was in the Bible. I said, I don't. Are you kidding me? Man, God shows all the good, the bad, and the ugly of these people in the Bible. The thing about the Bible is it's very clear we serve a perfect God who does amazing things through imperfect people. How many are grateful that God uses broken imperfect people like you and I. Come on. Today, I want to talk to you about Peter and how Peter, when he came under pressure, he made a very, very poor choice. Thinking of pressure, I was, I was thinking about these three guys and they were out hiking, their buddies, they were out hiking in the wilderness and they came up to this real strong river. I mean, big rapids and they really didn't know what to do, but they're Christians. So I thought, man, you know what? There's tremendous pressure here because we got to get back to camp. They had to get ready and pack up. They were getting ready to leave. They thought, man, what are we going to do? And they got one of the guys said, look, we're Christians. We need to pray about it. So the first guy prays, says, God, I'm asking you, Lord, to, Lord, to, to just to make me strong. Give me strength. God, all of a sudden, his arms just grew, his legs, and, and, and he jumped in there and he was able to fight across that. Took a little while. It was close, but he was able to get to the other side. The second guy prayed, Lord, don't only just give me strength, but God, give me, give me a tool to work with. Woo! Poof! A boat was there. Guy gets in the boat. He, ro he rows across, you know, across this river. He finally gets the other side. The third guy says, God, not only strength, but I'm asking for strength, a tool, and Lord, give me some intelligence, man. That, that was risky. Though. Give me some intelligence. Boom! Immediately, that guy was made a woman. And she took out her map. She walked two minutes down the river and she walked over the bridge. Come on. How many, know? 
how many of you know, listen, it takes intelligence, strength, and the whole thing. Talking about pressure, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about it in my own life. I was thinking about the times in my own life when I come under pressure and the, and the opportunity that I, along with all of us, have to make poor choices in those moments. Matter of fact, several weeks ago, we talked about Jesus and how he overcame temptation. Notice, it was at the end of the 40-day fast that the devil came to Jesus. It wasn't in the beginning. It was at the end of the fast. Why? Because when we're physically weakened, when we're emotionally weakened, when we're spiritually weakened, we're vulnerable. When there's pressure in our lives, mental pressure, emotional, physiological pressure. It's interesting when you look in the Bible, how the men and women of God, they did great things for God. God did great things through their lives. But it's interesting how many of them failed, how many of them made mistakes. I mean, God went to great lengths to show us their imperfections. Matter of fact, let, let me read this, all right? Now, this is all in the Bible. Don't judge me. Don't get mad at me. This is all in the Bible. Let me give you an, an example. Great men and women in the Bible, you've heard of them, but did you know these things about them? Noah, if you read in the book of Genesis, Noah had a drinking problem. Number two, Abraham, the father of our what? Say it, faith. But he also had a lying problem that he struggled with. Gideon, right? The great judge in the book of Judges that God used in a great way. At the same time, the Bible is clear that he also was scared and a coward at a moment. How about Jonah? He ran from God. How about Martha? She was a warrior. The disciples forsook Jesus. Elijah was a little suicidal at one point in his life in ministry. Paul was a murderer, a persecutor of the church, and killed the first Christian martyr, Stephen. How many of y'all feeling a little bit better about yourselves? Anybody? It's amazing when you look at these men and women in the Bible, and we hear all these amazing things about them, and yet, when you really begin to open up, and by the way, I didn't even get into Moses and David. That's like a whole nother level. The fact of the matter is, is that God uses imperfect people. God is very clear. The reason why is because when God uses somebody's life, when God makes a, a difference through somebody's life, he wants everybody to understand it was God working through them. Matter of fact, God loves raising up broken, messed up people like we all are. God likes raising them up and saying, look at the trophy of what? My grace. How many are grateful that God doesn't throw you away when you make a mistake? Come on but God restores you and gives you another chance. I want to talk to you about the Apostle Peter today. We're talking about a one-to-one -one encounter that Jesus had with Peter. It's interesting when you think of the Apostle Peter. He's the one that God used in such tremendous ways. He's the one, how, how, how God spoke to him to, to, to step out on the water. I had a guy tell me one time, well, you know what, man, Peter sunk. Yeah, but I also said, how many times have you ever walked at least four steps on Lake Pontchartrain without sinking? Remember, he walked in the water before he sank. He's the one that said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He, he was the one that God used in tremendous ways. And yet he experienced failure. Today, I want to talk to you about failure. I'm going to talk about how God takes our failures. Matter of fact, in two categories, I'm going to talk about how there's times when we experience failure because of our own personal sin. And then there's also times when we experience failure, not because of our personal sin, but because of circumstances. 
Things that we didn't see shifting in the market. We stepped out. We started a business. Something happened. Or somebody else made a decision. Or you, you went into a partnership with somebody. You didn't really fully understand them. The, the, the failure that you experienced was not because of sin. It was because of a circumstance. What I found is failure is painful whether it's through sin or circumstance. And if you don't understand how to respond to failure, if you don't know how to respond to your own process of growth, your own sanctification in our lives when we mess up, if you don't know how to get back up and move forward, man, listen, failure for some people has been, listen, literally a tombstone. They never went beyond that moment. I think if we understand failure from God's perspective, it can be a stepping stone where we can walk into a brighter tomorrow. But we've got to understand how God sees failure. We've got to understand what do we do with our own personal failure, albeit whether it's through sin, some choice that we made that was clearly sinful, or if it had nothing to do with sin, maybe just circumstantially. You experience failure. How do we get back up? Here's the question. How do we get back up and move, and move forward? Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've experienced failure and you thought, man, Pastor, I, I mean, this is, I really made some poor choices. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and I did something I never thought I would do. And now I'm dealing with the shrapnel and the brokenness attached to that situation. Look, you've come to the right place. Here, here's, here's what's so good when you look in the Bible is that God specializes in restoring, renewing, and giving people another chance. Maybe you've come into this place and it wasn't a sin issue, but circumstantially, you just, you just didn't see it coming and something happened. Either way, we've got to learn how to get up. Everybody say, get up. We've got to learn how to get up and get going. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter 22, a fantastic, oh man, this is a powerful encounter that Jesus is having. It's interesting. Is he right at the point of death? There's a moment that he has with Peter, and then there's another moment that he has with him after his crucifixion. Let me give you the backdrop here just for a moment. Again, we now know on Thursday night, Jesus experiences and has what's called the Last Supper. Of course, it's not called the Last Supper in the Bible, but we know it's the Last Supper. On Thursday night, he gathered all of his disciples together, and he had a dinner with them. He had a meal with them. And this meal that he had with his disciples, again, he kept telling them the purpose. For this purpose, the Son of God has come. Matter of fact, that's where communion often is instituted, where, where he talks about his broken body and his shed blood, and he, he has a meal with them. And in this moment, he also takes a moment to explain not only what he's about to go through, but he begins to bless them and serve them and, and, and wash their feet. Peter, watch this. Peter, in that moment, he begins to tell that one of them is going to deny the Lord. Peter was very concerned about that, and not I, Lord. I, I, won't, be, I won't be the one. Hours later, Jesus goes out. Think about this for a moment. Hours later, Jesus goes out to what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. It was at the base of the, the Mount of Olives, and Matter of fact, I've been to the very place, and it's 2,000-year-old trees. It's incredible, this place. And those of you that have been to Israel, it's right at the base of the Mount of Olives, and it's looking over the old city of Jerusalem. And it's interesting. The Bible says that, that it was in that moment where Jesus went to, to in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, he knelt down there. And that, that's when Jesus prayed that famous prayer, that prayer of consecration, where, where Jesus said, not what I want, God, but but what you want. He knew the cross was impending. He knew he was about to step into the defining moment of what all history was about, the crucifixion of Christ, and he was the one to be crucified. The Bible says that it was moments after that, that, and Peter, James, and John were brought there. 
they were not far behind. I don't know if it's 30, 40, 50 yards, but, but shortly thereafter, there were some guards that came into the Garden of Gethsemane. We know now that it was Judas who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. The question is, what did the guards do and where did the guards bring Jesus after he was taken away? Well, the scripture is clear that number one, as a Jewish man, the very first trial that Jesus was to, to endure was the trial of the Sanhedrin and the high priest Caiaphas. They actually brought him to Caiaphas's house. First, it was to be a Jewish trial and then it was to be a Roman trial with Pontius Pilate. Number one, They've brought Jesus to, to Caiaphas' house. And it's interesting, the Bible says that, that, that Peter, that Peter was, was not far from there. I, I've actually been to the very place where they believe that Caiaphas' house is, there's a dungeon underneath. It's really interesting. And, and, and the scripture is clear, Luke chapter 22, this encounter with Peter and another person, actually a few people begins to happen, and then Jesus and Peter catch eyes. Watch what happens. This is very important. Luke chapter 22. We're talking today about what do you do? What do you do after you failed? Having arrested him, they led him, Jesus, and brought him, Jesus, into the high priest's house. That would be Caiaphas. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. The Bible says, and a certain servant girl, seeing him, that's Peter, as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him, meaning Jesus. In other words, she would say, this guy, Peter, this guy, this guy was with, the, the guy that's at trial, that guy is buddies with that guy. You got to know that. Watch this. But he, Peter, denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. Now just think about this. Hours before, Jesus is washing Peter's feet. And now Peter's denying him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Hey, this guy was on that guy's team. You guys, don't, don't forget it. I know this guy's on a trial. But hey, but this guy, this guy's one of his buddies. So surely by virtue of his relationship, he should be guilty at some level in this. Watch the response. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. And the Bible says immediately. Everybody say immediately. Immediately. Remember what Jesus said. Immediately. While he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Actually, if you go to Israel today, there's a church. It's called the Church of Galientu. And it's an interesting church. It's, it's to commemorate, in essence, this moment, this courtyard. And it's an interesting moment for Peter because the last time Jesus saw Peter after the prayer of the Garden of Gethsemane, the last moment of that, and he's about to see him again. And watch what happens here. Look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and he looked at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he'd said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and he wept bitterly. I want to talk to you today about how do we respond after we fail? How do, we, how do our lives get picked up and 
Does God just throw us away? Listen, I know some of you think, man, Pastor, you don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand. You don't understand what I've done. Let me tell you something. Have you ever publicly denied Jesus to his face? That's what Peter did. I'm going to give you three, scene, three scenes that we see here. Number one, I want to talk to you about the fall. Peter failed miserably. He denied Christ, not once, not twice. The King James says thrice, three times, not once, not twice, but three times. He had an opportunity to say, yeah, I know him. I, I, I know who he is, but, but he didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? Because there was pressure. Everyone say pressure. It's interesting how we all respond when we come under pressure. When you come under pressure, we, we, you, people will do things they never dreamed of doing. When they come under pressure, Peter was under so he was under cultural pressure. By the way, interestingly enough, there's a great pressure even in our culture today to identify as a born again Christian that you love Jesus, that you believe the Bible. Interestingly enough, Peter Peter was being pressured to identify with with Jesus, and Jesus was not the 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 miracle worker at this moment, opening up blind eyes, but he was the suffering Messiah about to be crucified. And there was pressure in Peter's life, just like there's pressure in our lives. When, when, when we're working hard, you're trying to do the family thing, you're trying to work, you're trying to provide, you're trying to do all this, and, 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 and you get weary, you get weakened. And I told you a couple weeks ago, when Jesus, again, I'll say it again, when Jesus is tempted, temptation is the greatest in our lives when we're physiologically, emotionally, and mentally weak, when we're tired. I mean, when we're just exhausted. And that's when we become vulnerable. Peter was exhausted because of the pressure of culture, because of the pressure of what's about to happen to his leader. And, 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 and he's come under this moment. And the Bible says, the Bible says, not once, not twice, but three times, Peter, Peter denied the Lord. Maybe you've come to a moment in your life when you recognized and, and you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You did the wrong thing. You said the wrong thing. And maybe the enemy just sat there and condemned you and said, you can never be forgiven by God. You messed up so much. I know I've messed up. I know I've sinned. I've made mistakes. All of us have. I'm pretty transparent about early in my marriage. I, I know and I'm getting better. I'm still not perfect at all. Thank God for God's grace. But I know that there were some things that I said to my wife early on in my marriage where I, I'm not proud of that at all. Very hurtful, hurtful things. Very, very negative words that were spoken in our life. And I'm trying to grow in that. And I, I, I want to become a lifter of all people. And the reality is that sometimes we hurt those that are closest to us the most. By, by the way, you, you remember that thing I told you guys that is an absolute falsity and lie? You know, this is, a, this is something we all said as kids that is probably one of the biggest lies uh, that we've ever said. Here it is. You guys ready? Here it is. Here it is. Sticks and Let's say it together. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but will never. That's not true. That is an absolute lie. Fact is, you break your arm, you put it in a cast, it's stronger there than any part of the other part of your arm. But you have some coach, some teacher, a spouse, a parent, somebody, says something into somebody's life, it can damage them for years unless they get the healing of Christ. They get some help and get a reframed perspective of who they are versus what they heard themselves to be. The fact is, is that I've made mistakes. I've said the wrong thing at the wrong time. I've lost my cool. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. The fact is all of us in our lives where we've had attitudinal issues and 
By the way, we like to compare our sins. Isn't that right? Well, I, you know, we, well, I've never done that before. Well, I've never done that. Yeah, well, have you ever woken up, had a grouchy attitude and, and kind of stunk up the whole room? Have, have you ever been real negative and critical? The fact is, I think that we have to be careful comparing our sins with everybody. Are y'all with me? It's, it's, it's all garbage. We, we need to learn how to deal and respond after we do whatever it is that we do. Number one, there was a, a fall that Peter had. Number two, look at the focus. Look at verse 62. This is very interesting. I think it's specific. By the way, I don't think any words in the Bible are what are called filler words. I think that every word is important. Here it is. The Bible says, so Peter went out and he wept what? Say it. Boy, isn't that interesting. He went out and the Bible says, he, why is that? Because when he saw the Lord's, listen, when he saw the face of Jesus, I guarantee you that pierced him. The, the eyes of Jesus. And he realized he was, he was speaking about me. I denied Jesus. How Jesus has been so good to me. How, how Jesus, when I had an attitude with John and how he forgave me and how he gave me another chance. And, 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 and now it was at the moment of Christ, at the, at the moment, the most important moment in, in, in the life of my friend Jesus. And, 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 and man, I denied him. Not once, but, but, but not twice, but three times. The Bible, says, the Bible says that he went out and he wept. He wept bitterly. By the way, there's somebody else that wept after they did something to Jesus. You know who that was? Say it. Judas. Do you know there's a difference of what, how Peter wept and Judas wept? Now let me, I want to explain something. This is very important. Peter wept. He wept over his sin, but then, but then he looked up to God. Judas wept out of remorse, but he never went to God for healing and forgiveness. It's one thing to say that you're sorry. It's another thing to go to God for cleansing. Are y'all with me? It's one thing to say, I'm sorry, I blew it. It's a whole other thing to go to the solution where you can get cleansed. The Bible says that Peter wept bitterly and he, he recognized it. He had messed up. He recognized, man, I, I messed up. And the scripture says that, 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 that bitterness is something that we've got to, listen, it, it, bitterness is a poisonous pill if we swallow it and we keep it ingested long. When we digest it, when we take it in, Bitterness gets us hung up in the question of why. Why did this happen? Why did that happen to me? Why did this not happen to them? Why, 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 why? What I've found, I've walked with Christ for a number of years now. What I've found is that I don't want to hang out in the question of why. I want to get onto the question of what now? What now? What do I do now? Where do I go from here? What, 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 what is the next step? Because what I've found is to the degree that God, listen, to the degree that I look up and I ask God, what now? And God, please help. And God, Please restore. To that degree, God takes my mess and he can make it into a message. God takes my test and he can make it into a testimony. God takes my garbage and he can restore, redeem, and use it for something of good. There's a great woman in our church. Uh, her name is uh, Jan. Jan Stevens. And uh, Mike, her husband, passed away. I did the funeral a number of years ago and and uh, Jan, is, she's, she's powerful, and she's got a Texas accent. That's a good word, Pastor. She's real strong. You know, she just comes up, and I, she, she, and I say this respect, she has looked the same for 20 years. She's like my mom's age, or maybe, you know, she's like a mom figure. And she comes, Pastor, that's good preaching. Good, you know, good preaching. Well, Jan has always had a heart 
for prison ministry. Her and her husband, Mike, actually started in our church prison ministry. And she had a relationship. I don't even know how she had the relationship, but she had the relationship with prison fellowship. Uh, and it was, it was a ministry that we worked with for many, 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 many years. For those of you that don't know, prison fellowship was started by a man named Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson in 1973, he was part of the inner circle uh, with President Richard Nixon. Of course, uh, he did some things and got in trouble and, and spent about a year in prison. And when he spent a year in prison, it's interestingly enough, in prison, in prison, he met Jesus. And he was one of what Nicodemus, remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about Nicodemus, there was a word, two words. Nicodemus, there's two words. Jesus said, you must be what? Say it. Born. What's the next word? Again, which means you get right with God. The Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. Chuck Colson gave his heart to Christ in jail. And he wrote a book. Some of you guys may have read the book. It's called Born Again. It's actually called Born Again. But when Chuck got out of jail, he realized that, that, that he wanted to use his experience as a platform, as a platform to help other prisoners. And the largest prison ministry in the world now has been birthed and started been going for over 40, 45 years based upon a man, watch this, who made a mistake. He went through a mess. Watch this. He sinned. There was a great problem. But but God touched him and he says, I'm going to allow God to take that, to rearrange that and use it as a platform to help a whole bunch of people. If you stay in bitterness too long, I'm telling you, you'll stay stuck and you won't move forward. It's interesting. It's interesting when I look at Peter's life, I look at the fall that he had. I look at, I look at this moment in his life. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God that Jesus does not give up on us. Look at the third thing here. It's so powerful. This is so powerful. So powerful. Let's look at Peter's future. This next passage, this encounter that Jesus has with Peter, it's now on the seashore of Galilee. It's a very beautiful place. If you ever have the opportunity to go to Israel, it's a beautiful sea. and It's not real big. It's actually about eight miles long and less across and and Peter had actually gone back to fishing. Isn't it interesting? The very thing that he did before Christ called him was fishing. Isn't it interesting after we mess up and after we fail and after we feel like God can't still do something with our lives and, 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 and cannot God really have a few? Isn't it interesting that we gravitate back towards what is comfortable and familiar? He went back to the very thing that he did prior to following Christ. He went back to being a fisherman and one day as he was cleaning his nets and he Finished fishing, he was on the seashore of Galilee, and there was Jesus. Jesus had been crucified. Watch this. He had been crucified. He was buried. The Bible says on the third day he rose again. Do you know that Jesus walked the earth for 40 days after the resurrection? 40 days. He actually walked the earth. The Bible says he appeared to 500 different people, not just the disciples, but 500, 500 other people. Paul said that in the book of Corinthians. One of the people that he appeared to was Peter. He walked up to Peter and Peter was cleaning his nets and he asked Peter, he said, Peter, can I, uh, he called him Simon Peter. He says, can I, can I make you some, some breakfast? And it was interesting at first, Peter wasn't sure exactly who it was. And as Jesus was making them breakfast, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was about to communicate to Peter, Peter, your sin is not too great that I still can't do something with your life, Greg. He was, he, was, he was positioning himself, just like I feel the Holy Spirit doing with you guys. 
breathing into your life that God has a hope and a future for you, that God still has a plan for your life. The Bible says that as, as Jesus knelt down and he began to make, make some food for Peter, he, be, he had this encounter with Peter. Watch, this is one of those powerful one-to-one encounters that Jesus has with anybody in the Gospels, right here, with a fallen disciple, with a fallen apostle. The Bible says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, what does he say? Those next three words say it, feed my lambs. Now watch this. What is he doing? Feed my lambs. Look at the next verse. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then tend my sheep. Look at this next verse. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said this a third time, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, then feed my sheep. What was Jesus saying? Here's what he was doing. He was readjusting Peter's perspective and he was saying, Peter, even though that you feel like your sin was too great, even you feel like your denial of me somehow was a disqualification of you, I wanna help you. You still have a destiny in me. Get your eyes off yourself, get your eyes off your past, and get your eyes onto my purpose for your life. Get your eyes onto my purpose for your life because my purpose for your life is greater than your sin. My destiny for your life is greater than any disqualification that you or anybody else may have put upon your life. This is important. Let me just go on record. I'm not trying to give everybody permission to go out there and sin and do whatever you want in the name of, oh yeah, God will forgive me. I am saying when we do blow it, when we do mess up, God can forgive us, restore us, and still give us a future. Let me give you three quick things, two of which will deal with sin, the third of which will deal with circumstance. Pastor, what do I do? How do I start fresh? I've got just a couple minutes. How do I start fresh after a failure? Number one, very important. Stay with me. Number one, we've got to return to God and confess our sin. Isn't it amazing how we often run from God, run from the people of God when we blow it? Why do we do that? I'll see people in the community. Maybe they used to go to church. Or I used to know them and say, oh, Pastor, oh, man, I just... Oh, matter of fact, I, one time I actually followed somebody. They saw me. They ran out of a restaurant. I followed them. I just said, I'm going to do it. I know it's crazy. They may think I'm a stalker, you know, but I just thought, and I, and I, stopped, I said, man, what's up? Man? Oh, Pastor, listen, I, I just, I'm not doing well. I, I, that's okay. And so I just hadn't been around. Wait, 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 time out, time out, time out. When we're not doing well, we don't run from the house of God. We should run to the house of God. We should run to the place of God. Look what the Bible says. Here's the good news. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to what? Everybody say it. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So here's the step. Here's step number one. We've got to own it. Everybody say own it. Remember, there's two types of failure. Number one, failure because of our sin. Number two, failure because of our circumstances. But when we fail because of our sin, we've got to own it. I teach this principle all the time. There's four parts of this. Number one, I'm sorry. Everybody say, I'm sorry. Now, now watch this. Number two, say, I was wrong. Number three, say, please forgive me. Number four, say, I won't do it again. 
Okay, do you know those four, those four statements are with, with God as well as with those that we've offended and hurt on this earth? A lot of times people say, I'm sorry, but they won't go beyond I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And if we get real calculative, right, and we get real slick, we'll say, here, here it is. This is such a pseudo-fake repentance, all right? You heard somebody go, look, I'm sorry that you actually perceived that I hurt you. You ever heard that one before? That's called obfuscation. Does that make it's called circumvent? That's called go around. That's called, that's not even, it's, everybody say, I'm sorry. Okay, here's the next one. Say, I was wrong. That's a big one. Here's the third one. Say, please forgive me. What is that? Clean the slate, clean the slate, clean the slate. Number four, I won't do it again. You know, it's amazing the different times in my relationship. I'm, I'm trying to get better. I'm, I, I am growing in my relationship with my wife. I, I'm watching. I, wanna, I'm, I, I really want to be what I'm supposed to be. As a, I really am. And I'm in process. Some of you, I know we have so many new people in our church. I, one of the best examples of this ever is I remember one time I said something. It was wrong to my wife. And I, it was years ago, first week of being married. But anyway, so little after that. But, and so I, 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 you know, I went to the bedroom. Matter of fact, she actually told me this. She goes, you need to go pray and talk to God. I said, well, you need to pray and talk to God too. You know, matter of fact, I went and prayed and I said to God, God, are you talking to her? Because she actually started it. <laughs> How do you know whose right's not the issue? It's what's right. Come on, are y'all with me? So I went to the bedroom, you know, finally God still with my heart, went to the bedroom. I said, honey, look, I'm sorry. You know, apologize. Please forgive me. You know, just, I'm sorry. Just, for everything I've ever done, you know. Because you got to just cover everything. She didn't say anything. I opened up the door. She goes, she's in the bathroom. I'm like, okay, honey, look, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I won't do it again. You know, of course, she doesn't say anything. I'm like, okay, she's really pressing this. This is, I've got to, I've got to just, I'm going to have to demonstrate. I'm going to have, she's going to make, that's all right. That's all right. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And so I just got down on my knees. I said, honey, I'm really sorry about this. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I, um, I was wrong and, and just nothing. I thought, wow, she's really doing this. She's really going to do. She's going to make me go there. I said, honey, I'm just so sorry. I apologize. I, please forgive me, honey. I'm going to have to read a Joyce Meyer book, Overcoming Rejection, on... Uh, Honey, please, just please forgive me. I, I finally said, that's it. She's not saying that. I just jump up. I open the door. Whoop, she's not in there. I mean, oh, God has a way of humbling us. Watch this. Look up here. Look here. We've got to own it. We live in a culture. We don't, we don't want to own it. We've we got to own it. Look, I was wrong, man. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Number two, the second thing, stay with me. I got two minutes, stay with me. The second thing is this. We're talking about when we make a mistake, when we sin and fail. Number one, we gotta confess to God. We've gotta own that. Number two, we've gotta learn how to live renewed in God's love. What is sin? What is sin? Sin is when we make decisions that moves us away from the very thing that if we only woke up and realized we had in God's love to begin with. Just think about that. So when we return to God, we return to a posture of receiving his love and his goodness and his grace. When we get mad, we get grumpy, we have unforgiveness, we do stupid things, oftentimes we're moving away from God's love. Let's move back to that place. We're standing in right relationship with God. What can separate me from the love of God, Paul said? Nothing. 
absolutely nothing can separate us. Romans chapter eight, verse 35. And I feel like I've got a word for somebody. There's no sin that you've ever committed that's bigger than the grace of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's what the Bible says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sore? And that's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. Nothing shall separate us. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Number one, we own it. Everybody say own it. We bring that to God. Say, God, I've sinned. Please forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Number two, I then stand bathed. By the way, worship is so powerful. Man, that's why worship is just, there's something about worshiping and being bathed in the love of God through worship. Okay, that's related to sin. I'm going to give you one thing related to, when you fail related to sin, we confess it to God, we go to God, and then we live renewed in God's love and receive cleansing from God and his love. But when we fail related to circumstance, I'm going to give you one point and I'm done. Here it is. What do I do, pastor? My failure was not related to sin, but it was related to circumstances, but I still ended up down on the bottom. What do I do? Let me give you this point. Here it is. Number three. Here it is. Learn from it and let it go. Matter of fact, that's really in any failure. Learn from it and let it go. Learn from it. Let failure be a classroom. Let it be a, I learned from, I did that. I experienced that. I'm learning from that. And guess what? I got to let it go. Why? Because if I don't let it go, it's going to be a hitching post for me. Does that make sense? Where I just tie up my horse and I just stay right here. Versus a signpost where it says, I learned, I don't want to do that again. I want to stay this way. Does that make sense? In other words, failure, and I've, listen, I've realized in my own life, when I make a mistake, if it's a sin, I want to confess it. If it's a, if it's a circumstantial mistake and I, I didn't see something coming, I want to learn from it. I want to get better. I want to get stronger. I want to get wiser. I want to, I want to, I want to build upon that and I want to move. Comp the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. We don't want to stay back. We don't want to stay down. We want to get up. And I say, get up. We want to get up. We want to learn from it. And we want to grow through it. And let me tell you something. I'll close with this. Every single one of you, you've been through a painful past. Whether it's sin, whether it was circumstances, you ought to use that as a platform and a megaphone to help those, listen, that are coming behind you, that they don't have to go through it. You went through bankruptcy, you ought to be the best crown financial leader that we have because you can learn from it, you can grow from it, and you can help other people. Let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I learned. Let me tell you what I encourage you with. Are you with me? You go through a broken relationship. Here's what I learned. Here's what God did in me. Here's how I've learned. Here's how I want to get better. In other words, let's redeem the past and build towards our future. That's why Paul said it this way. Listen, my favorite scripture, I'll close with this. Matter of fact, I want everybody to stand. Romans 8, 28, favorite scripture. Pastor, what's your favorite scripture? I need this. I need this scripture. This keeps me sane. Here it is. And we know that all things, everybody say all things, even our failures. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I didn't say God's call. I don't say God's causing you to fail. But God can use your failures. God can use your failures. And we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. 
Let's come before the Lord right now. Jesus, we're so grateful for your grace. We're grateful, God, that you don't throw us away, but that you cleanse us and heal us, whether it's through a sinful mistake or just circumstantially we experience failure. I know there's some people here, and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now. I know there's some people here that just need prayer. They need encouragement. We're going to be here as a church to pray for you afterwards, just to speak life over you, that God has a plan for your life. God has a future for your life. God wants to use your life. God specializes in doing great things through imperfect people. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you're not sure about your relationship with God. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Our altar's open. It's not about joining a church, but it's about saying yes to Jesus, the one that loves you, the one that died for you, was buried and rose again. Father, I pray the grace of God upon every man, woman, boy, and girl. God, I pray that there would be a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit in their lives, a fresh wind of God that would blow upon the sails of their life. Lord, that you would take them take this message. They would learn from the failure in all of our lives. We'd learn from it, God. And we'd grow through it. We'd get stronger through it, Lord. Become better women, better men, more godly. Difference makers for your kingdom. Not perfect people. Imperfect people serving a perfect God. Lord, I bless your people, Lord. May the blessing and the favor and the grace of God be upon your lives this day as you go forth. In the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we just bless the Lord? We love you guys. God bless you.